ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, E+. Presented by Progressive Insurance, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canny rocking with you once again. Get at us on Twitter at ChrisCanny99 and at Chris Carlin. And as always, tap in on the Canty Carlin line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. And we got a lot of stuff to get into, big fella. Tom Brady flirting with coming out of retirement. There's more drama on the Aaron Rodgers front. Of course, Kyler Murray and that news with the Cardinals is not going away. But the only place to start today is what we saw last night down in Philadelphia with James Harden making his debut to the tune of 26 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists in the Sixers' 123-108 to win over the New York Knicks. And while I get it, the New York Knicks are awful. They've lost 13 out of the last 15. It's hard not to acknowledge how good this duo between Joel Embiid and James Harden looks. It fits immensely well. Shine up the Larry O'Brien. <laughs> I can see JoJo hugging it right now in midcourt. And Philadelphia, look, it, it it is amazing to me just how smooth the transition has been. And I'll credit Harden from this standpoint. He, when he went to Brooklyn last year, did something similar, not in terms of all the production and all that. What do I have to do to fit here right? In other words, last year, if you remember, he said, no, Kyrie, you're going to be the guy. I'll be the passive guy. I'll kind of back out. He was scoring like 18 points a game. He was doing whatever they needed to do to win. Now, with Embiid, he understands what his role is in the offense incredibly well, and he's exceptionally comfortable in it, and the Sixers are comfortable in it. You, More than anything, you can see the joy with which Embiid is playing. Yeah. Like, there have been plenty of – Embiid – wears his heart on his sleeve on the court. And you can see how much joy he's playing with right now. The only thing I'm going to say is everybody just settle down. Just relax as to what this is. You can get excited. You can feel good. The city of Philadelphia is going to buy into this 100% as they should. We have been here before, and Every team on the way to a championship or on the way to a playoff run encounters some adversity along the way. Mm. That's what I'm most interested in. When that comes, how is it going to go down? Because let's call it what it is. Embiid's a personality. Harden is a personality in his own way. How is that all going to mesh together? How are they going to navigate that? That's a legitimate question. And I remember the 2011 season when I was with the New York Giants. Of course, that ended with us winning Super Bowl 46. But, Carlin, as you know, we lost four straight games that season. Yeah. And there was talk about firing Tom Coughlin and getting rid of some of the core guys, high-priced veterans like myself. They were talking about running everybody out of town. And it's how a team responds in those moments that's going to determine the outcome of that season and how far they can go. But what I will say about Philly in particular, I'm not too sure that we haven't seen the adversity that they're going to go through this season. Like the whole drama with Ben Simmons, him deciding that he was going to check out of the team after showing up at training camp and not being engaged, and then what James Harden went through in Brooklyn, we could be talking about both of those individuals, both of those entities putting the drama of the first half of the NBA regular season behind them and getting ready to go on this magical run. I mean, I get it. It's the honeymoon period, and we yeah. really haven't seen a whole lot of resistance from the opponents that they've faced so far in these first three games. And but, but, but what I will say is this. Just in terms of 
the philosophical piece of it, how they win games, the high pick and roll, being able to set up opportunities for open shots on guys on the perimeter. That that was on display last night. I mean, keep it in mind, the Knicks had a 15-point lead in the second quarter, and they were able to erase that in the third quarter. They knocked down 8 of 11 three-point shots, and really that was because of James Harden and Joel Embiid being able to attract a lot of attention from the defense and then other guys like Tyrese Maxey and George Niang getting in on the act and knocking down those shots. That's going to be critical for them moving forward. But I think this team has all the makings in terms of how they want to play in order to be a championship contender. We already saw it from the defensive side for this Sixers group, but now you add the element of James Harden, and that's what makes it scary hours for the rest of the Eastern Conference. Okay, but let's call this what it is for Harden. This is it. Like, this is, this is the last chance at a legit championship run. And you have been in plenty of other situations to go and win a championship, and you haven't gotten to the finals, right? Haven't gotten to the finals. Did, not, no, get to the did finals not get to the finals in Oklahoma City. So, haven't gotten to the finals. So, with that being the case, like, you better be the guy that you have to be. Like, I, I, I get it. He steps in last night. Gets on Maxi at halftime. You're going to show up. You're going to play tonight. Okay. He responded, though. Tyrese Maxi responded. You're talking about 11 points in 10 and a half minutes in the third quarter and plus 17. He did respond. He responded. He, he, he did respond. It's going to be, and I think that says more about Maxi and his mentality as kind of a, like Maxie's the guy with the big smile. Like, are, are, he's he's like the puppy. He's running around. He's trying to just do the right thing. You know, like yeah, yeah. But Carl, you acknowledged how important Tyrese Maxie is to yes. this team competing oh, for a title. I think Tyrese Maxie is the difference between the Sixers winning a championship this year and not because the other two are going to get their attention and they're going to score. Yep. But I think Maxie is the guy that is going to create so many mismatches for teams and really be a maddening player to try to handle. But here's the thing. If James Harden can have that kind of impact on Tyrese Maxey, isn't that a net positive for the Sixers? Well, Tyrese turn- Maxey was a great player before I'm not say- I'm not saying he wasn't, but in a game like last night where he's in a lull for the first half, to get Tyrese Maxey to come out and have the second half that he did, that's exactly what you're looking for from James Harden. And it's not something that we've necessarily associated him with in terms of having those leadership intangibles, especially being a positive influence with young players. But that seems to be the case now in Philadelphia. And let's acknowledge this. This is an environment that he wanted to be in. Right when the trade went down between him and Ben Simmons, James Harden said, this is where I wanted to come when I was traded out of Houston, but that wasn't going to happen because Daryl Morey was the GM and we knew that the Houston Rockets weren't going to go down that road. But this was his first choice. And now that he's in a situation where he's comfortable, where the fan base showed him the love on his debut in Philly, that situation, now you have to look at it and say, you're probably going to get the best version of James Harden that we've seen over the course of the last two or three years. And that's and that's a huge win for the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and to correct one thing, they did make the finals of one year against the Heat. Oklahoma City did. But Harden was invisible. Yeah. Just disappeared in that. Yeah. But having said that, I have trouble with Harden not just flipping the switch as a player, but flipping the switch as a leader. Like, can you do that? You know, with a guy like Maxi, you can do that. With, with other guys, when you have now twice just shut it down until you got what you wanted. Can other guys respond that same way to you? Can I count on you 
to be that guy when it's going to matter the most. This is Embiid's team. This is Joel Embiid's team. I don't need it to be James Harden's team. What I need it to be is James Harden doing what he does best, and and that is complementing everything that Embiid does, which is, it's a perfect, I can't argue with how this looks right now, but what I do want to know is, how does Harden react when this team, you know, God forbid, second round, they, you know, they're playing the Nets, just hypotheticals here. Okay. And they fall behind three games to one. How does James Harden going to handle that? Going up against the Nets, which will be a big storyline, something like that. You know what I mean? How is he going to handle all of that? And is that going to be a factor in how he plays? Oh, I think he's going to be a model citizen no matter how it goes down with this with this Philadelphia Sixers team this season for the simple fact that James Harden wants a contract extension this summer. And that's completely within the organization's control. So if there's a rift... Do you think James between- Harden feels like he needs to be a model citizen anywhere to get his money? Well, 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 you're talking about him being extended through his age 38 season, and we're starting to see that NBA teams are much more responsible when it comes to doling out those max contracts to those type of guys. If James Harden can't make it work with Joel Embiid in, in this next stretch run with no, the regular season it. and the postseason, then everybody's going to look at James Harden differently, including the front office for the Sixers. And I get it. Daryl Morey is his guy. He mortgaged the future. He gave away multiple first-round draft picks, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, uh, I, I, you know, all of these guys uh, in order to get him over here. But ultimately, there's more pressure on James Harden to make this work than anybody else in that Sixers organization. So that's why I think you're going to get the best version of him. And so far, so good. Now, what I will say is this. Over the next four days, we're going to find out about the Sixers team because they got a back-to-back starting tomorrow with the Cleveland Cavaliers and then at the Miami Heat. And then you're talking about a game against the Chicago Bulls back in Philly. So that's what they're up against. You're talking about three of the top five teams in the Eastern Conference. We'll find out what the Sixers team is made of once they go up against an opponent that's going to give them a little more resistance. But, I mean, M. Night Shyamalan was in the building last night. We know he does horror films. This is starting to look like a horror film for the rest of the Eastern Conference, the way that this team is playing. No other duo in NBA history in the first three games where you've had two guys score north of 25 points. But that's what we've seen from Joel Embiid and James Harden. This could could be absolutely deadly for the Eastern Conference. I'm just going to say this. Relax. Relax. Are are you going to hit me with the Aaron Rodgers? No. R-E-L-A-X? No, You want to spell it for me? No. I'm not going to relax. First of all, I'm never quoting Aaron Rodgers in my life. Listen, I need you to believe in it like the Sixers fans believed in it, like they raided the team stores for the beards to put on to welcome James Harden. That's how I need you to believe in the Philadelphia Sixers and what we're seeing right now. Look, on the flip side of this trade, shifting over to the Nets, this, at some point here, this team has got to start playing together. And Durant is playing tonight, and that's good to see. Mm. At this point, I'm curious as to how long it's going to be before we actually get a chance to see them. That's before- that's the million-dollar question. How critical is it for the Nets to actually get some playing time together before the playoffs start? We're going to open it up on the candy calling line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But first... A word from eBay. When a part of your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, it shows. 
Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. Well, whatever happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts, Carlin. But that way, you can make sure you get the parts you need to make your car a winner. Visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Chris Canny. We're on ESPN app. We're on Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. And, Carlin, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the other side of this James Harden trade, looking at what the Brooklyn Nets are going to be for the remainder of the regular season and on into the playoffs. They're celebrating the fact that Kevin Durant is coming back tonight to play against the Miami Heat. They're going to need him because this Miami Heat team is playing pretty good ball. Lost a heartbreaker last night up in Milwaukee. You can argue whether or not that should have been a foul call on Giannis Antetokounmpo when James Har- James uh, Jimmy Butler was scrambling for that loose ball on the inbounds. But needless to say, they ended up on the short end of that. But they're playing good basketball. They're in the pole position in the Eastern Conference. And so if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you can't afford to continue to give away these games because if you can help it, you want to avoid that play-in tournament. And right now they're in that eight spot. Toronto's in front of them couple of games in the win column. So we'll see how it all plays out. But if you have any hope of being able to climb out of that play-in tournament, you're going to need Kevin Durant to come back healthy and to be on a terror because you don't know what you're going to get from Kyrie Irving in terms of being a full-time player, and we don't know when you're going to see Ben Simmons. You've got four games in a loss column to make up in 20-some games remaining for the season Oof. to get out of the play-in tournament Oof. right now. That's a lot for the Nets. Yep. And, and when – you listen to Durant and take a listen to him here. It's it's almost cute when he says he's not trying to be the savior. Under twenty games left in the season, but that's the situation we're in. That's the circumstances we're in. We know what the standings are. You know everybody's telling us every day how far we drop in and where we may end up, and constantly telling us the situation we're in. But we understand that, and we know that each day is important. So we work. We focus on tonight and just keep plugging away. When are they going to collectively play like they understand that? Because I don't see the urgency in this Brooklyn Nets team and how they're going about their business. Now, I get it. Kyrie Irving, when he is eligible to play, he's gone crazy. But not having him in the lineup every single night does affect the other role players on this team, and it does put more of the burden on Kevin Durant to be, you know, to put that cape on and put this team on his back. And at this point, I'm not quite sure that's the formula that you want because he hasn't proven himself to be able to stay healthy over the past three years. So I'm concerned about the outlook of this Brooklyn Nets team. And, Carlin, I think I'm in the camp of betting against the Nets making a run to the NBA Finals. As talented as they are, knowing that Kyrie at some point could become a full-time player, I still just don't buy into the fact that this team is going to flip a light switch and all of a sudden go on a deep playoff run. Neither do I. Neither do I. And, And even if it does get lifted in New York, and he's playing at home. I, I don't see it. Now, him playing all the games obviously changes the dynamic for them completely. It it makes them more of a contender. But, Chris, I am a huge believer in needing to play together and actually have a base upon which to work. And that includes Kyrie, and that includes Ben Simmons. And we're going to get more into the Simmons stuff a little bit later on. But when exactly are we going to see if, – if, 
if they're all going to be part of it this year, where is the reason for me to believe that in a stacked Eastern Conference that they're going to be able to get over the hump? Because I don't want to hear about, even if they're in the play-in tournament, they get past it, you know, well, they're within a, you know, a, a front big toe of going to the conference finals <laughs> last year, but they didn't. Yeah. They didn't go. It's win, it's lose. That's the way I'm always going to look at it, and and they didn't get there. So for me, I don't look at them and have a belief in what's going on. I haven't seen it all year, and I know how much Durant's been hurt, and I know the deal with Kyrie, and I know what their schedule's been like uh, without those guys. I get it. It's just, it's like Bigfoot. When am I going to see it? Like, everybody keeps telling me about it. When am I actually going to see it? Because I haven't seen them all together. And, Chris, I I have to tell you, from a big-picture standpoint, I'm really starting to wonder if this is going to be one of the biggest flops in a championship chase of assembling a team of all time, the way this has happened with the Nets over the last two years. I'm really wondering if that's going to be the case. Do you have any reason right now to have faith in what, in their ability to get to a conference final this year? Uh, no and hell no. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I have to say it that strongly just because you could play the sound bites from Kevin Durant and we could be talking about last season. It was, yeah, we know we've only played seven regular season games together, but we're confident in what this group can do once we get in the playoffs. Mm. And what did that result in? A second round exit. Why should we believe that this year is going to be any different? I get that Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the world when he's healthy. I get that Kyrie is one of the top 10 offensive players in the world when he's available. I I get that Ben Simmons is one of the best defensive players in all the NBA when he's healthy. And now with him, we're talking about mental health. But I I don't trust that we're going to see that all come together in time for this team to figure out what roles they need to play in order to compete for a championship. I just don't see it. I don't think there's enough time. I believe in momentum in terms of being able to build toward competing for a title once you get into the playoffs. It's not a light switch. This is not baseball where momentum is the next day's starting pitcher. This is the NBA. And teams that are playing good at this time of year are ultimately teams that position themselves to compete for titles. All you got to do is go back to the Miami Heat a couple of years ago in the bubble. They were the team that nobody was talking about. I think they might have been the fourth or fifth seed, Carlin. Yeah. And they just fifth, went on I believe, a run. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they obliterated the Indiana Pacers in the first round, and they just went on this magical run. And I was talking about the Miami Heat. Everybody needs to watch this team in the way that they're playing because they believe in one another, and there's something to be said for that belief and that collective buy-in. I don't know that you have that with the Brooklyn Nets. And I don't know that you're ever going to see that on a team that highest Kyrie Irving because he's a guy that's already shown and he's got interest beyond basketball. And he's not reliable. I don't so, know how important it is to him anymore. That, that's my point. He's yeah. not reliable. So, that I, I, you know, I, I have a hard time buying into the Brooklyn Nets being able to do any high-level winning. That's just me. And that is Straight Talk Wireless. Well, that is Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up next, Tom Brady opens his mouth. And he's got everybody believing that there's a potential for him to come back to the NFL. Uh, I'll tell you why I might be buying into it. That's next. Chris Carlin, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. 
people say, what do you want to do after football? And I'm like, what do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Breaking news, Tom Brady is retiring after 22 spectacular seasons in the NFL. It's on the Mount Rushmore of all-time great athletes. Someone who was a six-round draft pick to winning seven Super Bowl rings, the greatest and most accomplished quarterback to play the game of football. Tom Brady, the man in the arena. Is he coming back? That's what we're trying to figure out. You're listening to Chris Carlin and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. And big fella, every time Tom Brady opens his mouth when he does an interview, it seems like he's leaving the door open to come back to the NFL. Now, we heard Bucks GM Jason Light said they'll leave the light on for him down in Tampa, no pun intended. But it sounds like Tom Brady is reciprocating that. We heard from him yesterday in an interview on Sirius XM with Freddie Couples, the, the former golfer. And now Tom Brady seems like he's adding fuel to the fire, that speculation that he could be returning. Let's take a listen. I wish I had a, a, a clear vision of what the future holds. But I think for me there's you know, a lot of um, – there's a lot of great things ahead and a lot of great opportunities. I know I said right after football season, I was looking forward to spending time with my family, and I've done that the last five weeks, and I know there'll be a lot more of that too. So, um, you know, I like staying busy, that's for sure. I played a little bit of golf, and I'm actually going to see my parents tonight, which will be a real highlight for me on their turf. I'll be sleeping in the same bed I slept at when I was a kid. I don't think my mom knows I'm coming home yet yet. So it's just between my dad and I is a little bit of a surprise. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to some golf uh, in the next few days and some more family time, and then we'll figure out where we go from there. That's a man that can't get back on the field soon enough. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, you just hear the tone at the beginning. of. Yeah, I said I was going to spend a lot of time with my family, and I spent five weeks, and uh, I guess there'll be a lot more of that. <laughs> yeah. In other words, like, I get it. I've had enough. Hey, look. I don't doubt for a minute that this is putting Tom in somewhat of an existential crisis right now. Okay. Because he's he's never been here before, and the guy has lived his life in such an incredibly regimented fashion for so long that this kind of a change cannot be anything but just a, an earthquake to his entire routine. What do you mean I don't have anything I have to do? What do you mean I don't have to go work out? What do you mean I don't have to go make a smoothie? I mean, uh, honestly, I, I'm going to be surprised if at least there is not a serious flirtation with coming back. I I think you'll hear more about it. And can I just ask this question? For somebody that is just stepping away for the early part of this, why are we hearing from Tom every week or two? Like, why is Tom doing all these interviews? I'm not, I'm not saying that there's more behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's odd to me. Like, if you're going to step away, you've been in that arena for so long. Why continue to chat right now about everything that's going on? Well, here's the thing. I know he has business ventures beyond, you know, just the man in the arena documentary. We've We've talked about the big screen project that he's working on. Uh, some of the other things with the TB12 method. So maybe this is in an effort to promote some of those things. 
But when they ask him about football, he doesn't give that definitive answer that he's exactly. not coming back. It always seems very cryptic. It seems ambiguous. And that's the part that adds fuel to the fire when we start to speculate whether or not he's actually going to come back once we get closer to football season being able to kick off. And here's the kicker for me, Carlin. The fact that he played at a near MVP level this year and when he announced his retirement on his IG page, I didn't hear that Tom Brady had enough. What I heard was, this is not my decision. This is ultimately about my family, about my wife, my kids, and quality of life, and making sure that I'm there for them in the same way that they've been there for me the past couple of decades. And it feels like he owes it to them in order to be there for them in this phase of life. But if you've been doing something longer than you've not been doing it, which which is being an NFL player, he's been an NFL player longer than he's not been an NFL player in his life. If you've been doing something for that long and you've been doing it at the high level that he did last year, that's something that's hard to walk away from. And you're not going to get that same adrenaline rush in any other walk of life. Like coming out of this tunnel on Sundays in an NFL stadium and knowing that you're competing against the best football players in the world, having the opportunity to impose your will on another man that's just as capable, like you, you can't find that anywhere in life. That, that, comp, that competitive drive that makes you great is the thing that makes it hard to walk away. And most of us are told that we can't play anymore. Like I remember my former position coach, Clarence Brooks, down in Baltimore, God rest his soul, he said, we're all just one day closer to them telling us that we can't come here anymore. But that's not the case with Tom Brady. Their general manager just said, we're going to leave the light on for you. So this is totally your decision on what you want to do. And guess what? We don't need you to be around the rest of the offseason in order for you to come back and be our starting quarterback this year. If you want to come back in the middle of training camp and be the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let me tell you what's going to happen. Jason Light and Bruce Arians are going to say, okay, guys, Tom's back in the building. Let's go try to win another championship. That's what it'll be. Nobody has told Tom Brady no. He's telling them, I can't do this anymore. But with every interview, it sounds like he's saying, I want to do this, but I'm not being allowed to do it with the people that are in my camp. He sounds lost. He sounds lost without football right now. Right now. Well, we all are. Yeah. Let, let, let me say that. We all, right, all, let me Carlin, ask you this question. Carlin, all right, we all on. are. But how long did it take you? Carlin, I'm still adjusting to it. And I've been out of the league since 2015. I'm still not right. When you're in it for that long, think about it. Your formative years in high school and when you go to college, when you're in the NFL for over a decade, the structure, you're so accustomed to it. You're so used to it. And then all of a sudden, they, 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 they let you go. And then you're left to your own devices in order to try to recreate that structure. And there's not going to be anything that's quite like being a part of a team in the National Football League. You just can't replace it. You can't replicate it. And so you try to build things into your day, into your schedule. But there will be nothing that is as definitive, as binary, as competing in the National Football League. That scoreboard lets us know whether we won or lost. It's not subjective. That, but that's not the real world. The rest of life, you don't know whether you're winning or you're losing. You don't, you don't have anything to measure it by. But when you play in the National Football League, you do have that. There's one place that I think we're, we're really, if it could ever come together, that it would be very real to talk about him playing again. And that's San Francisco. Mm. Now, look, I know Bruce Aarons made his comment about five first-round picks and all that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Imagine just for a moment. 
that Brady got an opportunity with a team that's clearly ready to win, that has plenty of weapons, in a team that he grew up rooting for, that he was in the stadium for the catch in 1981. In the stadium. And he had a chance to close it out that way, to potentially get one that way. He, Chris, he may always be cha- chasing how to properly close it out, mm-hmm. and I understand that. But that's one where if I'm the 49ers and I'm the Bucks and I want to get together, maybe the Bucks like Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he wants to end up with his old buddy in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think there will be some sort of serious flirtation that will come in the next few months about him actually returning. Well, here's what I'll say, Carlin, to put a bow on it. It's not going to hit right now. It's going to hit when guys start getting ready to go to training camp. Late July, August, that's always the time, especially when you're fresh out, when when you're getting that urge to be out there competing the most. And I know what guys hate training camp, but it's a love-hate relationship. It's just one of those things. You don't want to go through it when you're in it, but when you don't have the opportunity to be a part of it, you miss it. And I feel like that's when we'll know what Tom Brady is going to do. And I have a hard time believing that he's not going to want to come back. No matter what Giselle and the kids say, I have a hard time thinking that Tom Brady is just going to stay completely away. But speaking of flirtations, we got another quarterback in the National Football League that's flirting openly, but not with retirement, with other teams. We'll tell you who that is next. You're listening to Carlin and Candy, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, tap in on the Candy Carlin line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And big fella, we know when we get to the scouting combine that it's not just about the guys running around on the field. There's a lot of goings on in terms of teams fielding interest inquiries into players that may or may not be available for trade guys that may or not may or may not be available for free agency and one of the guys that keeps coming up at the quarterback position is Russell Wilson now we know that there's been friction the last couple of years between him Pete Carroll and John Snyder their general manager and Russell Wilson went as far as to have his agent list four destinations that he wouldn't mind waiving his no trade clause to last offseason but when asked about it at the Combine yesterday, Pete Carroll was singing a little bit of a different tune when it came to the prospects of trading Russ. Take a listen. There's conversations about everybody. We're talking about everybody. And that's commonplace for us to have conversations with teams about all of the players, particularly marquee players. And that's not changed. It's been the same every year we've been here. So it's the same as it's been. We have no intention of making any, any move there. Um, but the conversations, John has to feel those he always has. Uh, but nothing specific to, to that. Let me say this. Uh, Russell and I have had a partnership for all of these years. We've worked at this the whole time. And, you know, I, I, we've always tell you that he says the same thing I do because it's the truth. It's how we've worked at stuff. We've communicated on a really high level. And with that thought, um, I felt it was hugely important that we communicated really well and that we would be in touch. We would know what's going on. And we could we could take the time to, to step aside some of the action that's at hand and, and make sure that we, we keep things in, in proper perspective. And that's what we've done. Keeping things in proper perspective, this is the first time that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have ever had a losing season, and it's the second time that they haven't been in the postseason. So I got to ask the question, is it time for the Seahawks to entertain trading Russell Wilson? Yeah. 
Absolutely it is. And it's the way things have shifted in the league when it comes to the marquee quarterback. They seem to, they being marquee quarterbacks, seem to now be more interested in maybe flirting with other places just to get a feel for what it's like to play somewhere else. And Brady obviously kind of set the standard there because he wanted to get out of that New England, you know, just drudgery every day. If you're Russell Wilson, I think you're probably looking at your career and you're trying to think, where can I go that is either, A, going to further my brand immensely, that's why New York is on his list, or B, go and get another championship. And where is my best opportunity at that? Because I don't believe it's here. And it's more than fair for him to be asking that question. And for the Seahawks, it's more than fair to consider moving on from him. I So many times, Chris, we hear about how um, you cannot move on from the franchise quarterback. But when you reach a certain age, you can. And I really believe that what happened this year with the Rams is going to have a lot of teams thinking, damn the picks, let's do what we have to do because our door is open right now. And there are a couple of teams around the National Football League that have let it be known that they're going to be in the market for taking a big swing at a quarterback in the trade market. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But to your point about Russell Wilson, I don't see a path to him competing for a championship in Seattle. You look at that division. I don't you see gotta, it either. You got to contend with the 49ers. You got to contend with the Arizona Cardinals. And you got to deal with the defending reigning champs, the L.A. Rams. It's not going to happen. This is a team that doesn't have a first-round draft pick this year because of the Jamal Adams trade. That belongs to the New York Jets. So how is this roster getting better? This is a team that had a, this is a team that won seven games last year. I, I don't know how they get better. They don't have a lot of talent on this squad. They don't have a lot of difference makers. And then beyond that, Russell Wilson's chief complaint since he got there in 2012 is, I get hit too much. And what happened this year? You're talking about him having to have a hand surgery that cost him three games. So I, I don't know that this is going to be the place for Russell Wilson. And if you're John Snyder and Pete Carroll, how are you making this team better by not trading Russell Wilson. You're not. I don't know that you can move your program forward without getting those assets in return in order to reset everything. So it just seems like we're at the point now where it makes more sense for both sides to go ahead and part ways. It's like the housing market, man. When you look out there and all of a sudden there's a big boom and you're in your house and you're thinking, you know what, I like it here, but maybe I want to sell if I can really cash in on it. If you're the Seahawks... You can really cash in on this. You may not be terribly motivated to sell, but you at least have to look at it, and you at least have to listen to what the offers are. Well, it's actually realistic now. With the cap number, you can move on from Russell Wilson as opposed to last offseason. We'll see. And we'll also have to wait on the Green Bay Packers, and when will they take the decision away from Aaron Rodgers in terms of his future? ESPN Radio back.